Hey there, Mike Stelzner coming to you with a fascinating update you might not be familiar with. Did you know that Social Media Examiner can deliver all the marketing, training, news, and trends, insights that you need into your inbox three days a week when you sign up for our newsletter and it's completely free? Simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates and take your marketing to the next level. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, Michael Stelzner here. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast. This is the podcast for marketers and for business owners who want to know what works with social media. I'm very excited about today's show. Today we're going to talk about blogging. We're going to explore becoming a blogger with Stanford Smith, author of Born to Blog. You're going to love this show if you're thinking about blogging or if you used to blog and you've kind of lost a little bit of your edge and you want to get back into it. I'm also going to explore a caller question about the proper use of Facebook and Twitter icons. As a matter of fact, let's transition over to that right now. Fresh off the jungle trail, here's this week's social question. Hi, Michael. My name's Michaela Robertson, and I'm a public relations and marketing graduate. And I'm interested in how we're allowed to use social media logos like the Twitter bird and the Facebook F. Every day I see blogs and websites using these logos in different ways. I mean, they animate them, alter them, put them in different pictures. Sometimes people make real-life models and then take photos of those. Even basic things like changing the color. I was wondering if this is actually legal. Facebook and Twitter have very specific instructions about using their logos, but nobody seems to follow them. So my question is, is it okay to get creative with the social media logos? Michaela, that's a wonderful question. And uh, first and foremost, I'm not an attorney, but I will attempt to summarize what Facebook and Twitter say and then give you some thoughts at the end here that may uh, question uh, whether or not you should actually use these at all. Um, first and foremost, it is not legal to take someone else's brand uh, and alter it. Um, but having said that, that is what made Facebook and Twitter famous. If it wasn't for the fact that the Twitter logo and the Facebook logo were literally everywhere, <laughs> television, coffee cups, you know, billboard signs absolutely everywhere around 2009 and 2010 and even 2008, I don't think Twitter and Facebook would be where they are today. But having said all of that, Facebook and Twitter both have trademarks on their logo and their iconography. And so, for example, in the case of Twitter, the little bird is a trademark and um, they have guidelines. So here's what you have to keep in mind. What they have trademarked is their name and their logo. So what that means is legally you cannot take their trademark and alter that trademark even if you're ultimately trying to promote their network. Um, for example, but here's the thing. Both Facebook and Twitter do allow certain kinds of things. So let me start with Facebook. Uh, Facebook does allow you to do the little F in the square uh, and it's acceptable usage to, do, to use that uh, on your branding. So, for example, you might couple it with uh, some words like uh, fanus on Facebook or whatever. Facebook does not consider acceptable use um, 
an F of a different color, FB, different colors. These are all what they call general guidelines. So what that means is they're just guidelines. They can't legally enforce or suggest you do or do not do this because it's technically not their trademark. Um, so the same thing goes with Twitter. For example, Twitter does not want you to put a T inside of a blue square, but they can't stop you. That's just considered their acceptable uses. So what you have to ask yourself is whether or not um, you want to comply um, with what they consider their general guidelines or not. Now, um, I'm going to link some pages to in the show notes so that everyone listening can go and check out what Twitter and Facebook think is acceptable and <laughs> excuse me, not acceptable. And I think it's worth uh, you checking out. Now, having said all of that, this is the important caveat. I do not suggest anyone use a T or an F on any of their branding at all. It's, and I'm specifically focusing on online, not physical products. So I do not suggest you have a little T and some words that say follow us on Twitter. And I do not suggest you have a little F and some words that say fan us on Facebook. I think that's the old way of doing things. And frankly, what does that do? That simply sends people away from your website to someone else's site, in this case, Twitter or Facebook. The alternative, which I strongly recommend, is to employ the widgets that both Twitter and Facebook uh, have put in place. And you can see what those widgets look like on the sidebar of socialmediaexaminer.com. One of them is the Facebook like box, which allows someone to become a fan of your Facebook page without ever leaving your company page. Uh, the other one is the Twitter widget, which I don't know the exact name off the top of my head, but basically allows someone to follow you on Twitter without leaving your website. I think those are the best practices today, which is to keep them on your website, yet still encourage them to become fans and followers. Michaela, I hope that helps answer your question. And if you want your questions answered in a future episode, you can go ahead and visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash voicemail and see all the instructions there on the screen for possible consideration in a future podcast. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. So with that, let's transition over to today's awesome interview with Stanford Smith. To help simplify your social safari, here's this week's special guest. I am so excited to be joined today by Stanford Smith. If you don't know who Stan is, he's the co-author of a brand new book called Born to Blog. He's also the founder of Pushing Social Blog, which has won twice the top 10 blogs for so in the social media world at Social Media Examiner. And he also has a new podcast called Pushing Social. Stan, welcome to the show. Hey, uh, it's awesome to be here. I'm incredibly stoked to be talking to your listeners today. Well, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Today, Stan and I are going to explore what it takes to become a successful blogger, not just any blogger, but a successful one. And perhaps you're thinking about starting a blog, or maybe you're thinking about restarting your blog because it's not really working for you. This is what we're going to be talking about today. So Stan, let's step back and have you share with folks how your blog has helped your business. And first of all, what is your business? 
No, well, my business is offering content marketing strategy to small and medium-sized businesses. So that really means that, you know, I, I spend a lot of time dealing with social media and helping people kind of navigate how social media can help them. So that, that's what I do. And I have to say that, uh, you know, my blog has been the sole reason why I've, I've been able to leave my nine to five job and work full time on pushing social. Um, and, you know, the blog is the main way for me to you know, attract leads and talk to prospects and educate people on my services. So in 100 percent of the word, you know, you know, pushing social is very much a blog based business. So I'm definitely living the talk right now. OK, so basically what I hear you saying is that all your leads and prospects and customers come from the blog. Is exactly. It. And you don't, have exactly to do, you don't have to do any advertising at all. No, no, not at all. I mean, like my biggest, my, my number one advertising is writing, you know, 500 word blog posts. You so know, that's it. You mentioned that you were working a nine to five job. Can you, can you talk to the person a little bit right now who's maybe in the nine to five job and wants to go out on their own and, and mm-hmm. maybe what your experience has been moving from that to the blog? Yeah. You know, I, one thing I was, uh, I was fortunate with is that I was building the pushing social audience for a good two years before I made the leap to uh, working on my own and doing this full time. Um, So, you know, I guess the person who's in the nine to five job right now, you know, it's a great idea if you kind of build up your audience to kind of understand where your next step is going to be. I tell people I have three boys, you know, I live 11, seven and five. They clean out my cupboards like locusts. So I (laughs) definitely wanted to make sure that I had a, you know, a good audience, had a good step there. Um, So I think that's the first thing. But, you know, if you really want to market yourself in a really effective way that's cost efficient, then blogging is a great way to start. Answer me this. At what point, when did you know you were ready to go out on your own? No, well, you know what? It's funny. I, I wish I would have left my job six months before I did. I mean, like if I knew it was going to be this much fun, um, I would have done it earlier. But I think I knew when I was literally, I think, two or three times a month um, telling people that I couldn't take on a side project helping them with their business. And then at that point, I was kind of like, you know, this is just stupid. You know, I really love doing this. I really love talking with small business owners and I'm turning away business. So I might as well go ahead and make the leap. So you've studied a lot of blogs uh, for your Mm -hmm. new book, Born Mm -hmm. to Blog. And can you tell us what some of the more successful traits are of bloggers or said another way, What are the traits that someone should have to become a successful blogger? Well, you you know, and this is really the premise of the, my book, Born and Blog. But, you know, I think I start with the notion that there's five traits or five roles that people play. And the good news is, is that everyone at least has, has at least one of these traits. You know, one is, are you a dreamer? Meaning that you are a visionary, the world that you think about is totally different than everybody, what everybody else thinks about. And you want to tell people about it. Second thing is that being a good storyteller, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think that depending upon the setting, everyone is a great storyteller. Third is a teacher. Fourth is a persuader. And we just got done with our presidential season, which I call America's number one blood sport. And, um, (laughs) you know, and we, and you, you find that 
everyone has an opinion. You have two people in a room, you have two different opinions. And then you have curators, which, you know, as social media types, we call them, um, you know, curators, a fancy way of saying collectors with taste um, at this point. But, and if you're a collector without taste, you're just a hoarder. So there's a difference there. So um, I think curators is um, the fifth one. And I, like I said, I believe everyone has that. And I think as your listeners are probably listening to me say that, one kind of like jumped out at them. You know, I told this to my wife. She says, oh, yeah, I'm a storyteller. And exactly right. So what the, the, the idea is, is to take that one trait or that one role you play, recognize it, build upon it, and you can use that trait to build a, a successful blog. So give me, the, yeah, give me those five traits again. Yeah, one is dreamer. Okay. Two is storyteller. Three is teacher. And hint, hint, you're a teacher. Um, four is persuader. And five is curator. Interesting. Okay, well, I'm glad you said that I'm a teacher because that, I mean, let, let's give a couple of examples. We don't have to give mm-hmm. of, of every single one. But mm-hmm. when I started um, my blog before Social Media Examiner, it was called Michael Stelzner's Writing White Papers. Mm-hmm. And um, it was originally designed to be kind of a day in the life of a writer. But then I very quickly found that I needed to tell a lot of people how to actually write in this style. And all of a sudden I became, quote unquote, a teacher. Mm-hmm. And I was writing all these kind of articles that kind of dissected, if you will, the, the craft. Mm-hmm. And that really worked because in my case, that helped me land clientele because they realized I knew what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Do you find that most of the successful bloggers are, you know, like in your case, are you a teacher? You know, I find like I am I I, I kind of have two traits. One is primarily yes, I'm a teacher, but I love telling a good story, Mike. Mm-hmm. You know, and I really find that and usually my posts start off with, you know, me coming home and realizing my wife let my three boys, you know, cut their hairs into mohawks. You know. <laughs> and I I could take that story and I can weave that into, you know, being yourself on your blog. You mm-hmm. know, I see I just have that knack for gotcha. that piece. Gotcha. But, you know, you know, yeah, I mean, like, and I think some of the better bloggers out there, some of the really big popular bloggers, they have three or four of these traits under their belt. Gotcha. So how does someone know if they even have these traits? Well, you know, at first thing I, you know, the first test is that, you know, what kind of jumped out at you, right. you know, and I think that everybody kind of has that, oh, I think that that's me. Um, second thing is that what do you do when you're not really thinking about the trait, you know, and, you know, my sister, she's an, she's just a dreamer, you know, and if you sit down and talk with her for more than five minutes, she's telling you about how things should be, you know, and you you just kind of have a natural bent to it. And then another thing is go and ask your best friends, you know, give them this list and say, which one do you think I am? And usually they're a pretty good barometer of where you're at. Very interesting. I, I mean, I know that I'm a storyteller, even though I don't exercise that muscle um, mm-hmm. a lot. And I also know that I'm a persuader, too, because like if I'm behind something, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, people You're tell all me, in. people tell me <laughs> I could sell ice to Eskimos, you know, so. Right, right. So, that's exactly. It. All right, cool. So once you know um, kind of what these common traits are, I guess the next question that might be going through people's minds is, well, do I have to be a good writer to be a good blogger? Well, you know, thankfully... No, not in the classic sense of the word writer. You know, I think when people hear writer, they're thinking Pulitzer Prize winning, you know, literature, standing you know, a Waff Waddle Emerson or Edgar Allan Poe. And I, I don't think that's the case. I think 
Um, and I'm glad it's not the case because, I mean, like I would have been eaten alive a long time ago. I'm not a great writer in the classic sense of the word. But I think you do have to be a great conversational writer. Right. Okay? And what I mean by that is that do you have an easy, natural way of getting a point, getting your point across? And what I find is that most people, that's where they start. You know, if you sit down with someone and you share a drink with them, they're not going to talk to you as if you're in a boardroom. Okay, it's a nice, great conversation. And that's what works with blogging. And a lot of times I have to help my clients kind of break out of their jargon speak and just talk like they would if they were talking to a friend. So I think that's the type of writer you need to be. You know, you need to be able to communicate in a way that builds rapport and builds relationships. And I think that's important. Talk to me a little bit about what makes a blog writer different than like an article writer, because I think a lot of people that are thinking about blogs think that they need to write like uh, like a fast company article writer. Mm, you know, that's, that's an excellent question. I think that, you know, first of all, a blog writer is looking to start a relationship and that relationship I think is very personal, intimate. I think people who come back to Pushing Social want to hear from me. Okay, and so in a lot of ways, your own opinion is kind of infusing that writing, your own perspective. While, you know, an article writer, I want to be either down the middle or somewhat objective about this. I'm starting with, you know, even the structure of the writing is a little bit different. You know, you're starting with that inverted pyramid, you know, in a sense. So that's a little bit different there. I think that um, every person that I talk to who reads Pushing Social, they go, I get a feel for who you are. It's very personal. And so I think the writing is a lot more intimate um, in that way. And I also like earlier that you said to be conversationalist, a conversationalist, because this is something I've been preaching for years. Mm -hmm. Um, We're having a dialogue right now. We're having a Mm -hmm. conversation. It should be easy for people to follow because we're we're speaking in everyday Mm -hmm. terms and, and, and we're hopefully you know, talking about the kinds of things that are going to resonate with the right kind of audience here. Right. And one of the tips that I've often told people is, why don't you talk it out and record it? <laughs> oh yeah. That's a great, that's a great thing to do. And then I mean, just like transcribe I, it back, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know what, Mike, I, I do that so often. And, you know, and I guess I talk to myself, I guess I'm telling all these people that I talk to myself, but you'd be amazed at how long I, I would just kind of talk out a post before I start writing it, you know? And I think that works. And there's some great technology too. A lot of this uh, text-to-speech stuff, like uh, mm-hmm. Dragon Naturally Speaking, I think is uh, an app you can get on your smartphone that will actually literally let you talk to it and transcribe it. If you have an iPhone, Siri will do it. Yeah. So you know, there's a and of course you can get software for your Mac and your PC. But yeah, I used to find that was a great way to do it. Well, you know that you know you bring up a great point. You know, blogging is just not about text either. You know, I mean, like everyone knows, you know, the Gary Vaynerchuk story about you know his video blog. You know, I really think that the blogging is the platform. So if you're better off, you know, speaking and doing audio and putting that out there and using the podcast platform, I think that works just as good. Video is another way of doing it. Writing is really just one of the ways of expressing yourself on a blog. That's excellent. Now. Um what are some steps that you think people can take to um, decide or to ascertain, if you will, that uh, they have what it takes to become a blogger? Yes. Yeah, you know, I think that there's probably three steps. You know, I think the first thing is, is that you really have to have almost a borderline obsession 
with a topic um, that you're dealing with. And I'm not talking about a passion. I think passion is just not extreme enough. I mean, like, think about it. If you're going to be writing a blog about something, you're going to probably be talking about the same thing one, two, maybe even five times a week, depending upon your niche. Okay. And you can't do that without getting burnt out unless you're obsessed with your topic. You know, I don't know about you, Mike, but I'm obsessed with marketing and social media. I mean, like, I'm always thinking about it. Okay. It's not a chore to talk about it. And so I think that's the first thing. So if you don't have a borderline obsession, you might not be able to sustain yourself mm-hmm. um, with that blog. And I think the second thing is, is there, are there others like you <laughs> out there? there you you know, so I'm a, you know, during the summertime, I am obsessed with large mouth bass. Okay. Ah, I'm, I'm trying fishing. to find it everywhere I go. And I know that if I started a blog about it, there's other people just like me. Okay, so I think that you have to have an audience that's out there. Jim Kukrell is a big fisherman, by the way. Yeah, really? Well, yeah. we need to hook up. We need to hook up. <laughs> I tell people if there's a, a puddle of water that's more than six inches deep, I'm throwing a line into it. I mean, like, <laughs> I just love fishing. So that's the second thing. The third thing is that, you know, and I run into this a lot, you got to really assess if you have a marathon or a sprinter mindset. Mm. Okay, now I've studied a lot of successful bloggers and one thing I realized that's almost the same with all of them is that it takes 10 years to be an overnight success, yep, <laughs> you know, totally. and all these folks, I mean, like from Brian Clark's and even listening to your story, I mean, like you guys were like working your butt off, refining your craft before that one thing hit, Correct. you know, and um, so I really tell people, just put yourself in the zone of, let's see how this works two years from now. Okay, and get yourself in the zone of kind of kicking out that content, refining what you're doing over time. So I told myself when I started pushing social that I wasn't going to get any retweets or comments for a year. That's why I expected to happen. Luckily, it didn't happen that way, but I did have that mindset. Well, it's funny because um, I interviewed Michael Hyatt a while back and folks Mm -hmm. can find that in the archives. And he told me that, um, you know, he was working at, uh, at, at a big company and uh, he was the president and CEO and he was a corporate blogger. But he said he didn't have any more than 200 people um, a month visiting his website for the first three years. Yeah, and, I heard that. And it wasn't until he figured out, you know, essentially the kinds of things that you are going to you write about in your book and that he writes about in his book, mm-hmm. you know, that things started taking off. And now the guy has... I don't know, hundreds of thousands of people that are reading his, his site every month. Mm-hmm. He's now got a completely sustainable business of his own, and it's a result of blogging. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I mean, bottom line is, folks that are listening right now, it doesn't have to take you that long to be successful. The good news is, back in the early days of blogging, um, nobody really knew what they were doing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now there's a lot of great teachers like Stan who can help you get a head start. Yeah, yeah. So, um Stan, for the the person who maybe is already blogging right now uh, or the person who's about to start blogging right now and they're looking for some tips on how to actually create content, mm-hmm. um, what might you suggest? Well, first of all, stick with it. I love content creators. I can't get enough of them. Okay. So first of all, know that you're fighting the good fight. Um, the, the first thing I would probably say is that um, train your brain to notice potential topics and you know i and I, i'm sure people kind of understand this like when you um you don't notice red cars until you buy one right mm, and right. then everything seems like a red car i think that if you're 
train your brain to notice potential topics by writing down every idea that pops into your head, you know, and I don't care if that's, you know, you're writing down index cards or post-it notes or moleskins or on your iPad, just let your, let your brain know that every good, every good idea is going to be noticed and it's going to be used in some way. So that's the first thing. And I think the second thing is, is that um, you have to really turn content creation into a habit. And the best way to do that in my book is just to set aside some time for at least, you know, a couple of weeks where you say from, for me, it's 10 to 11 at night. That's when, for some reason, I wake up and I always do my content creation during that time. And I usually can kick out a lot of great material during that time just because I'm in the habit. Mm. Um, So I think that's one way. Another way, and I think the, another way to look at this is that third way is, you know, consider that done is better than perfect. I've seen some really great bloggers create stuff that never see the light of day because it stays in their draft folder forever because they're constantly refurbishing and refining it. Just get it out there. You know, I think that's important. And then, you know, get leverage on yourself. I don't know who said that to begin with. Maybe it was Tony Robbins. But one thing I like to do is that I tell people what I'm going to do. So I told my list that I'm really going to be, you know, increasing the frequency of my podcasting. Ah, uh, now they're going to hold you accountable, right? Now, now people are holding me accountable. And I think that's an awesome thing, you know, that really lets you know that I got to follow through. I'm going to look like a complete dork here, you know? <laughs> so I really, you know, I do that a lot. And then, you know, you getting content out on a regular basis, be careful with that word regular. You know, I, I have one reader who is a, is a single dad. And, you know, he can't kick out an hour-long podcast every day. So he has to just be reasonable about what he can do. But find your tempo and stick with it. Hmm. A couple of a couple other thoughts came into my mind while you were talking. And I just want to share a couple tips here just uh, from my personal experience. Um, some people might be wondering, well, where do I actually find ideas to write about? And I know you <laughs> mentioned a couple, but one of them is questions that other people ask you. So, for example, um, if you're super passionate about something like Stan talked about, chances are your friends and your colleagues know this and they're probably asking you questions. Every time somebody asks you a question, you got a blog post, right? Mm -hmm. This is exactly it. And, you know, yeah, pay attention to that stuff. And also, I mean, like I love going to Walmart and looking in their news section. Ah. And finding magazines are in the area that I'm looking at. And that's just a great way, too, of just kind of getting some quick ideas. So Because you're actually looking at the headlines of some of what they're writing yeah, about? I'm looking, at, I'm looking at the headlines and cracking open the magazines and, you know, seeing how they're leading off their articles. I mean, like, all that is just kind of adding fuel to the fire there. Well, the other thing you can do also is um, multi-purpose stuff that you create. Like, for example, let's say that you gave a presentation somewhere mm-hmm. and a little part of that presentation really resonated with the audience. Well, that could become a blog post or two or three or four. Yeah. And then metaphors, too, by the way, Stan, I don't know. Um, you know, you like the fish. So I would imagine you're going to find a million ways to talk about fishing and its relationship <laughs> to blogging. Am I right? It's exactly right. <laughs> I, could, I, could, I could fill up 365 days with a partner. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, I like to go to the fair. So like when I'm at the fair and I see really weird things. <laughs> wow. You know? Dude, are you like hooked on funnel cakes? <laughs> <laughs> Deep fried butter. No, just kidding. Yeah. That would kill me. But, you know, yeah. you could talk about, like, if you're really creative, you could talk about uh, <laughs> figure out a way deep fried butter somehow is related to marketing. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. So um, 
we've talked a little bit about kind of the tactic. I mean, you know, whether or not you have what it takes to be a blogger mm-hmm. and, um, and we've talked about some ideas of finding and creating content. The next question I'm sure people are thinking about is, well, how do I actually draw people to my blog? Mm-hmm. What kind of advice can you share on that? Yeah, that's that's a hot topic. I did a survey on that on my blog, and eighty percent of the folks wanted to know how do I get more readers. You know, right. you know. I think the first thing is that lo- you know, the, the daily news is your friend. You have to be relevant um, to kind of catch people's attention. And what I mean by that is that look at some of the things that are being talked about today and see if, if you can find ways to connect it with your topic. You know, um, the owner of the Lakers passed away. You know, can you talk about the Lakers dynasty and what that means to a business? Or, you know, just find ways or Beyonce's Super Bowl performance. You know, those things are top of mind and they're kind of ways of kind of drawing people into your blog. I know that. You're tapping, into, I, the, tapping into the trends of the moment, right? Is exactly it. I know that. Pushing Social two years ago really got its start off of one blog post, which was it was Lady Gaga's eight point guide to spectacular blogging. Huh. Okay, and that did extremely well because in the news at that time, people were really talking about how well Lady Gaga was using social media. So okay. it just fit in, you know, at that point. So I think that's one thing is be relevant. Um, Another thing I, I tell people a lot is hang out at the watering hole. So go find where your audience is getting fed right now. They may not be on your blog, but they're somewhere. Okay. So find where they are, become a fixture in that space and don't be obnoxious, you know, but just hang out there, you know, be helpful to the community. I know I joined a couple of forums when I first started off and I was able to kind of see what people wanted. People kind of saw my advice. And, you know, over time, people started to come to the blogs. I think that's a really cool thing to do. Um, you know, and another thing is, is that I kind of have this term. I call it content hubs. And content hubs are, you know, sites that collect a specific uh, type of content and use that to attract an audience. So, for example, SlideShare, they collect presentations. And they have a really good audience around people who want that type of content or YouTube with videos. Um, so if you can repurpose your content and put them on those content hubs, you will start bringing in readers from different sources. Podcasting, for example, is another great way of repurposing blog content for um, the iTunes crowd, for example. So I think that's another way of going about it. And then recently, this is kind of something I just kind of caught on to a month ago, is that when you write special reports and you kind of package them up in these nice little PDFs, I actually took one of my older special reports and actually turned them into an online special report. So I actually, every page became a blog post, so to speak. And I found that Google kind of ate that up, Hmm. loved it. You know, and it was because of the pages were interlinked or each page kind of linked to the next one. You got done with page two, you went to page three. I guess Google felt that, hey, it was relevant. It was good, compact, you know, content. And it was focused on one theme because everything was kind of linked together. So I've tried that a couple of different spots and it seems to do really well. So that's kind of like a little SEO tip. Do you you release all that at once or do you typically like release one? piece every day? The first time I did it, I released it all at once because I didn't know any better, right? I just felt like I just wanted people to be able to do it online. Then when I started seeing the traffic coming, I was like, wait a second, maybe I should drip this out over time. So I did do that with a second report and it worked equally, if not better. So yeah. 
Talk to me about the connection between email and blogging, in your opinion. Should, you know, what, is it important? Why? Man, I can go off for days on this. Email is so critical to a blogger. You know, you know, Social Media Examiner and other great blogs, they have a built-in advantage because they have this email list. And that means that, you know, if you have an email list, you can get people back to your blog on a regular basis, you know, and that's really where you start from. And I guess one of my, my secret sauces is that I actually, um, when you sign up for like a pushing social, I, I email you almost every week, you know, with things that are on my mind, because that's a great way to build a relationship. So an email is critical for a blog's success. You can't do one without the other and see that much success. So if you have a blog right now, get an email opt-in on there at the minimum to let people know when you have a new blog post. But write yourself a special report or a good piece of content and start building a list off of that. That is what's going to build your success over time. Yeah, and a lot of people don't realize this about blogs, that most of the people that come to your blog every time you have a blog post are actually new. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. that blog post has that pull feature with the RSS that kind of draws people in. So so the advantage to having um, a way to capture that name and email address to build a loyal following is absolutely essential. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you've seen it, and I know I've seen a lot of our friends that don't have that. Are, are wondering why they can't mobilize their audience whenever they want to. And it's because um, unlike a, a magazine that has physical addresses, a real magazine, you don't really have that with a blog unless you go out of your way to build that. And I think that was the secret sauce, the mm-hmm. social media examiner. And, and the other thing, Stan, which I know you know to be true, when you have something to sell, that list makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? Yep. Yep. And, you know, I tell people, and I'm not, I'm not being funny in saying this, but, you know, my email list feeds my family. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm saying, I mean, like, and when people, you know, when at the beginning of our talk, you say, you know, um, you know, what was it, you know, how did the blog lead to that being able to leave that nine to five job? And I have to say that, you know, I had a couple of thousand subscribers and when I needed a gig, I would just create a product and offer it. And that's what, that's what helped. Last question to the, to the person who's listening right now, who's not sure who's on the edge who is like, you know what? There's millions of bloggers out there. No one's going to listen to what I have to say. What do you want to say to that person? Mm. Well, what I want to say to that person is your voice is unique. You know, my grandmama always told me this. She says, she said, grandson, God broke the mold when, after he made you, you know, and everything that you have to say is important. So yes, there might be a lot of other bloggers out there, but there's not a lot of people just like you. So you should at least, you owe it to yourself to try, just to go out there and try. And, you know, looking at the resources like Social Media Examiner, Pushing Social, and tons of other great resources, you can get up the learning curve very quickly. So don't sell yourself short. Stan, you have been really incredible and hopefully a source of inspiration for a lot of folks that are listening right now. If people want to discover more about you and your blog and your book, where do you want to send them? Well, first of all, go on over to you know pushingsocial.com. We're going to be talking about Born to Blog for a while. So um, we're going to be talking a lot about that. And, you know, if you really want to get in the front of the line for Born to Blog, um, go over to Amazon, type in Born to Blog. It's going to come up for you. You can pre-order today for that. Stan, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day 
to uh, share some of your experience with us. It's been really, really awesome. Thanks for having me. I've had a great time. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Stan. He's just really an incredible guy. And I think you really should check out his book if you are really looking to get started with blogging. By the way, if you want to get any of the links that were referenced in today's episode, you can visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash 32 to get the show notes. And if you enjoy the podcast, please help get the word out. I would really appreciate it. You can visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash love. That will pre-populate a tweet into uh, your Twitter stream, letting all of your friends know about it. And uh, I would love it if you do that. And this does bring us to the end of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. Again, I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. Uh, If you love the show, I'd also really appreciate it if you could head over to iTunes and give us a rating and review. You can do that by visiting socialmediaexaminer.com slash iTunes. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.